This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. I'd like to welcome a special guest to the studio, Ontario's new Minister of Economic Development, Job Creation and Trade, Jim Wilson, is here with us, and he's already been to Washington to advocate for the thousands of Ontario jobs that are dependent on NAFTA. Thanks so much for being with us. Oh, it's a pleasure, Libby. Okay, well, I am really hoping that you can help us sort out what is really going on, because between Donald Trump's tweets and the things we hear from the negotiators and the twists and the turns, it really can make your head spin. Yeah. Uh, even the Americans, many of them uh, that we met with last week, uh, use the word crazy. It's, uh, it's, uh, no one knows where the president's going. No one knows what the end game is. And a lot of people are getting hurt in the process. Uh, there's 9 million Ontario, uh, uh, Americans, and this is what I was down there to remind the decision makers in America and those close to the president that Nine million Americans directly depend on their trade relationship with Canada, and Ontario is the biggest partner in Canada with respect to trade in the United States, and about a million Ontarians. So while we will be devastated if he goes ahead with these auto tariffs on uh, on cars, light trucks, and automobile parts, um, millions of Americans will lose their jobs as well. And I don't think that uh, many of the decision makers we talked to actually had that in their heads. Okay, well, I, I you used the word crazy, so our people from his own party who are actually running again, are they telling you that this negotiation is crazy or he is? Absolutely. Canada's, uh, and we we stand shoulder to shoulder with the federal government. So, you know, the the history here is um, Donald Trump unilaterally without any discussion or any warning slapped uh, uh, in May and and it took effect in Canada, for the rest of the world took effect in June for uh, Canada and Ontario, slapped 25% tariffs on, on steel exports from Ontario, so making our steel far more expensive for Americans to buy. They're our number one customer, and orders are starting to uh, not be made. And um, the, uh, the, and the rationale for that was a national security rationale saying that yeah. our aluminum... Now, I, I want to give the numbers out again, because we've discussed that on this show beforehand, and, and our listeners are very upset by that. And we've had, you know, some people trying to organize... Uh, by Canadian, or people feel like they want to do something. On the other hand, we've talked to people involved with trade, say, you know, Canada putting retaliatory tariffs, we we would just get hurt even more. So before we get to your take on that, let's give out the numbers again, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. I'm here with our new Minister of Economic Development, Job Creation and Trade, Jim Wilson. He's happy to take your calls. We're trying to sort out where these trade negotiations are at, what, if anything, we can do about them. And Minister Wilson, so 
Is, are these retaliatory tariffs, are they the right thing to do, the wrong thing to do? Well, um, you know, once uh, the president uh, unilaterally put 25% tariff on our steel and 10% on aluminum, um, hurting jobs in, in Canada and Ontario in particular, because that's where steel and aluminum is centered in the province, in the country. Um, I don't think we had any choice. So the federal government retaliated with $6.6 billion uh, right across the board, not just steel and aluminum, but in agriculture right now, uh, Grain farmers, corn farmers, soybean farmers in the states are very much complaining of how much it's hurting them. And we had to do that to get him to listen, to get the president to to uh, realize that if he is going to unilaterally hurt our jobs and hurt our trading relationship, a trading relationship uh, that goes back decades and, and our supply chains are, are deep and we had a friendly friendly relationship that that benefited uh, the United States, benefited Canada, and benefited Mexico through through NAFTA, but in order to get them to listen. So uh, the Trudeau government targeted those retaliatory tariffs, taxes, uh, on goods that were coming from mainly Trump states. So uh, they're actually targeted at his voters, and that's intentional, and his voters are starting to complain that they're getting hurt and they're losing their jobs and they don't understand why the president would want to hurt his own people. I don't understand why any politician would want to hurt their own people. Okay, I have a, a couple of questions on this. So I've talked to a number of trade lawyers who say, well, wait a minute, what Canada should have done when those things happened was launch a complaint and uh, rather than going immediately to retaliatory tariffs so that, that we're in breach of an agreement. So uh, Canada did just recently uh, launch a complaint uh, under, under the NAFTA and, under the, and with the World Trade Organization, so two complaints. But the, 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 the law, as you, you mentioned before, that the president is using has no complaint process. He's using the national security, a national security law saying that somehow our steel and aluminum um, are supplying his military. We're actually propping up uh, his military, but he somehow is saying uh, that uh, our steel and aluminum is, is hurting national security in the United States, and he wants to do that. That's the threat on autos and auto parts, and that will be even more devastating, 10 times more devastating to the U.S. and Canada, Ontario in particular, if he slaps new tariffs on, uh, there are no tariffs now, but if he slaps tariffs of 25% on autos and, and auto parts, um, that will really hurt. And then, and then, so we're doing what the trade lawyers recommend, uh, but the particular law that the president is using, um, there is no, he's, he's, the, he's the judge and jury. There is no... Um, way to complain under that. There's no process. So he wants to use that law again. If he does, um, I think we're going to have to retaliate again and, and hurt his voters. And no one wants to do that. Both sides lose. Both sides lose. And uh, a lot of people say, because we are smaller, we will lose more. Now, he yeah. launched a $12 billion aid package for his farmers yes. who are being hurt by the retaliatory tariffs. And you're telling me that some of the farmers don't want this. Yeah, so just just looking at the reaction from uh, major farm groups in the states that are affected, uh, yesterday anyway, they were saying through the media that uh, they'd prefer that he get back to the table at NAFTA and uh, and resume free trade uh, because they benefit tremendously. Uh, like, the benefit to NAFTA to the United States is probably because of the size of their population. You know, as I said, 9 million people directly and, and millions more indirectly benefit from the NAFTA agreement in the United States. That's their jobs. Uh, they have their jobs because of trade. Um, uh, and about a million directly in Canada, and, and most of those are in, in Ontario. 
Um, it's been a great deal. It's it's right back to the auto pack in the in the 1960s. Um, our supply chains. A, a car in Canada, made in Canada, will go across the border up to seven times. The car parts to make up that car. He's also if he puts tariffs on our cars going into the states, we sell about. Uh, couple million cars a year are shipped into the states most of our production 86 percent of our production i have honda and alliston in my riding most of their production goes to the states um if he slaps a 25 percent tariff on on cars made here about 50 percent of the parts in those cars are already american parts so he's actually taxing his own people and that's how you get the ripple effect it's very complicated but the ripple effect in the states so We'll buy less parts because we'll make uh, less cars here. Some say we'll make half as much as we're making now. We made 2.1 million last year. Some say we may make up to 900,000 less as these tariffs come in. And how many jobs would that be? That could be uh, a good 100,000 jobs wow. immediately. Oh, my God. Yeah. And uh, the uh, Joe Volpe of the Auto Parts uh, Association here in, in Canada says that we'd actually be out of business in 30 days because Americans would stop ordering cars. Because the price of a car in the United States will go up about $2,000 U.S. A price of a car overnight in Canada with 25% tariffs re- coming the other way, um, there'll be a $35,000 car will go up between six and $8,000 overnight. So people will, will put off buying a new car or the you know car sales will definitely be affected almost immediately and and the way the supply chain is and you know everything's just in time take about 30 days for things to start to really hurt both sides of the border and that was our message to to the american uh decision makers uh, particularly members of the commerce committee uh which was the hearing i appeared before in washington was look you're hurting millions more of and your own people than ours can he do this on his own or does he need the, he can he can under this particular national security uh, law that he's using, um, but to make it permanent, um, he would eventually have to go to go to the Senate. Now, an unusual thing and an unprecedented. They tell us uh, the Americans told us uh, that this had never happened before. While we were there last week on the first day, 148 Congress members of Congress signed a letter to the president. They were almost evenly split: Republican, the, the president's own party, and Democrat, specifically saying, "Do not." put these tariffs, these new automobile tariffs or car parts tariffs on Canada um, because of exactly our argument, which is you're going to hurt a lot of Americans. Before I get to the phones, one question. One of the things about most of the Republicans who've been very vocally critical of him, they're not running again. Yeah, so, some of them, yeah. It's a good point. So what is the support from people who are actually running again? And we've heard him say that he's not going to do anything definitive till after the election. Yeah, I mean, he certainly uh, he certainly will have a report from the Commerce Committee before the elections and whether he'll act on it or not. Hopefully it'll say, you know, his real problem, as I understand it, is with China. His, his other irritant is with Mexico. He doesn't have a problem with Canada. So why is he picking um, on us? Except in agriculture, and it's certainly not in cars. So why is he picking on cars? Well, he's using that, obviously, as leverage to get what he wants in in agriculture and and some of the other sectors in Canada. But, you know, uh, 19 American states, Canada is their, and Ontario, is is their number one destination for their exports. So we're their number one customer for all the merchandise they make in 19 states. We're their second largest customer, Canada, for nine other states. So we're trying to get to those 28 governors and uh, between the Premier Ford, between Premier Ford and myself, we're making the calls and we're 
going to be having the meetings uh, to try and influence them to say, look, we're your number one customer. Why would you want to hurt not only your own people, but why would you want to hurt your number one customer? Where are you going to sell to if you slap 25% on everything and none of us could afford to buy anything? Okay, let's get to the phones. We've got Martin in Rockwood, Ontario. Hello, Martin. Hi. Hi. Yeah, I have, um, well, two questions. The first is, when free trade first came about, the Liberals were vehemently opposed to it because of job loss. They've certainly changed their tune since then. Now, as far as the auto pack goes um, and the free trade, Canada really didn't breach it, but they made it extremely difficult. You try importing a car back in '09, where you could buy a Corvette, for $40,000 less than you could in Canada after the exchange rate. Mm. And then our government came along, contacted the manufacturers and said, don't warranty them or we'll tie these people up at the border. I've imported um, car parts and that from the U.S. My son bought a car in the U.S. and they gave us absolute grief at the border. I actually had the customs agent take parts of the factory car, set them in the back of my truck, and then charge me for declaring those goods, which were actually part of the car that we were importing. Okay, so what's what's your question then? Well, the question is, is you know, Trump is saying we aren't honoring the free trade agreement. He's right, we're not. It was a bad deal for the U.S., because Canada was punishing its own citizens, and as you said earlier, what government would do that? The Canadian government did that. I yeah. mean, and just let uh, uh, Martin. Why don't you let Minister Wilson respond? Well, it's a it's, it's a good point, Martin. And I know, uh, being an MPP for twenty eight years, that that we often get uh, it's really the federal government's issue, but people complain about being held up at the border, and that happens. But what we're really talking about is is um, you know those transport trucks that go across the bridge at Windsor? They're not held up at the border when they're carrying auto parts. At least they're not asked to pay tariffs on those right now. What Trump is threatening, I'm doing, of course, is, is putting a, a rather large tax on those auto parts and on the cars. So the cars that go by rail out, out of uh, Windsor uh, or out of the Honda plant in Alliston, they don't actually stop at the border and they don't pay a, a tax. So that's what we're talking about. Individual consumers buying parts, it's, it's, yeah, it's all kinds of border controls and taxes on that. But in terms of uh, the, what's covered by NAFTA, um, that's basically company to company. And, uh, and, uh, and so far they've been tax-free. The worry is if he puts these taxes on for, for, as we say, no good reason, people won't be able to afford a car, we'll stop making cars, or we'll stop making the, the number of cars we're making now, and that's jobs. Okay, let's hear from Anne in Toronto. Hello, Anne. Yes, good afternoon. Um, I think we should take a step back uh, to the time before these uh, tariff uh, arguments started. What exactly is the stumbling block to the NAFTA agreement? Good question, Anne. A couple because, of them. Because, uh, <laughs> We're having a little difficulty figuring that out. Apparently, the president, he looks at just straight trade figures. And uh, so if we're doing about $140 billion in trade in autos, uh, Ontario to the states, and he says, well, you're only buying um, 
80 billion worth. Well, we're a smaller population. So he looks, one of the strange arguments he has is, hey, you're not buying enough of our stuff. Well, sir, we're so much smaller than you. We can't buy all your stuff. But if you, and, and he doesn't seem to take into account. And services. A lot, uh, services are, are huge. I mean, to operate a lot of U.S. plants, they're relying on technicians and, and innovations from, from Canada. But also, um, he doesn't take into account the jobs on both sides. Um, I don't think a number of the members of the Commerce Committee that we appeared before knew that 9 million Americans directly depended on NAFTA for their jobs and, and, a, and a great trading relationship with Canada. Okay, and thanks. Uh, oh, wait a minute. You haven't answered the question. Like, what is the stumbling block to an agreement? He's saying we're, we're not entirely sure. We're not well, there are a couple of them. Find out? Well, it's we're kind in of a different. tariff war without really knowing what the Liberals have been doing in terms of this NAFTA uh, negotiation. Well, well one of them, uh, let me just bring something up because I was going to ask Minister uh, Wilson the question anyway. Is this idea of a sunset clause? The Americans want to uh, put a five-year time limit on the deal where it, it automatically expires unless there's a new agreement. And I think both Canada and Mexico say, hey, we're not going to get investment that way because there's too much uncertainty. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I was just trying to say what was what was the president's argument. Yes, what the states is asking for sunset clause. They're asking that we uh, dismantle supply management in agriculture. Uh, they're they're asking for more North American content in cars and trucks, uh, which means they're trying to shut out the imports from Japan and from Germany um, and from China, uh, although we don't buy a lot of vehicles from China because they tend to make small small vehicles that we don't buy but uh, he, he I, I think ma'am that his his the president at least we were told in the states that the president's uh, problem is more with China in and Mexico he's mad at them for a number of reasons um, and that's why we don't understand why exactly he dragged in his best friends Canada well there is this issue of dairy and supply management it's a real bee in his bonnet and I don't think he understands it because when he announced his 12 billion dollars of, of, of support subsidies now for uh, for uh, American farmers yesterday uh, as I said a number of the farm groups said they didn't want the subsidies they like trade with Canada and in fact they don't call it supply management down there but the groups were saying, basically, why don't we look at supply management? It seems to work so well for Ontario and Canada. Well, so things are turning on the president, not the way he wanted, I don't think. Trump keeps saying that that uh, if the Midwest wants to sell dairy products here, there's a more than 200% tariff on it. Yeah, so that is just the most misleading figure. Uh, uh, tariffs are free, free. There's no taxes on dairy and dairy products and cheese up to certain amounts. So I don't know exactly what it is from cheese from, from that state into Canada, but there'll be so many hundred kilograms that you can sell. You get above that if you cheat and try and put, dump more cheese in than what the quota is, then, uh, then yeah, there's a tariff to get you to stop doing that, and it's 200 and some percent. It's quite high. We've never hit it. People abide by the rules, the uh, cheese and that. It's all weighed. Um, no one's ever tried that I know of to cheat. I'm told by our officials and Canadian officials that, yeah, that's on the books. That's a penalty if you try and cheat and dump more cheese than you're allowed into Canada or Canada dump more, more correctly into the U.S. than we're allowed. But we've never, ever triggered that. And, of course, you're going to have a, a trigger like that so that people won't cheat. It's, a, it's like a fine. 
Okay, let's hear from Darko in Etobicoke. Hi, Darko. Yeah, I think the first mistake is when, when this, all this problem happened, it was basically Mexico was the target. And Canada sided with Mexico, which is the, the wrong thing to do. And I think that's where a lot of the problem comes about. So, you know, it's what horse you're going to back. If you want to back Mexico against the United States, the United States will will basically come down on us. And, and I've seen that from the start. Like, you know, so is it the free trade? Is it NAFTA? What's the issue? But but I, I that's what I see is like, you know, right away, Trudeau was on the side of Mexico saying everything was A-OK. But tr- Trump initially was very much on the Mexico issue, I guess, because a lot of manufacturers, they don't come to Canada, they go to Mexico, and that that's the main issue. And everything well, else is- Darko, but then right. then last week he said, we're going to just do a deal with Mexico, and, and, yeah, and we'll show Canada. Trump has a lot of stuff out of spite to threaten you, too, right? <laughs> yeah. so, and, and that, that's what I see right now. now. We'll see where this eventually heads. But I think, you know, initially I remember that, and I remember Trudeau going you know, with, with, on with Mexico, but we should have been citing. And besides the fact that, to, to me, this the notion of calling something a free trade agreement, it's not a free trade when you get stopped at the border for bringing $400 worth of stuff over. You know, let's call it what it is. It's a trade agreement. It's not a free trade agreement. Because I don't see it. If you want to order something across the street, we, we have rules that prevent you from buying certain things here because people have licenses here. You know, so it's not what we think it is. Yeah, well, but I would just say that Canada should shouldn't side necessarily with Mexico because that's where the manufacturing jobs are going, and that was the election issue with the with the Americans, and you know, minister can answer. Okay. You know, Darko, I, I don't disagree with you. I think his, he's he's irritated with Mexico, um, and uh, and and he's got more problem. He seems to be more angry with with the Chinese. But then, as Libby said, that changes day to day. So it's hard. It's really hard to tell. And you know what? It's not that we're all mixed up and don't understand things. It's just the way it is. When you talk to lawmakers in the states on both sides of the aisle, they're as confused as we are. So, you know, hopefully calmer heads will eventually prevail. He's sitting down, or not he's sitting down, but the U.S. trade representatives are sitting down with Mexico today and tomorrow. And, uh, and, and you know, and we don't have to have the same rules. The, the, the NAFTA agreement that we're living under now that he wants to tear up actually has different rules for Mexico than the U.S. on a number of fronts. So you can have a, a, a one agreement with three countries um, and tweak it a little bit. And, and I think that's what they're going to do is tweak it a little bit for Mexico, probably on wages. He wants, you know, he doesn't like Mexico having such cheap labor because that's a, a disadvantage uh, to the U.S. But also because it's a, it's a dirty little secret of NAFTA is anywhere where there's a, a trade agreement like NAFTA in the world, there's always a country that's low-cost production. And that helps level off um, uh, a higher cost and higher labor costs and higher labor standards elsewhere. And it's sad, but that's what happens. But Mexico likes it. I mean, believe it or not, I'm told $4 an hour jobs are some of the best paying jobs in Mexico. And it's, uh, it's, uh, there's millions of jobs dependent on, on, on free trade and the auto pack in Mexico. So that's why they want to keep it. It's, it's a good thing for them. But, you know, for you and I to be driving a $35,000 car that, contains parts and labor from Mexico, that's why it's 35000 It might be 45000 if we didn't have Mexico. So it's a sad thing to say, but that's why you have these agreements. And yet Mexico feels it's a good deal for them and they want to keep it. Okay. Uh, we have to wrap things up before we go. What is your government doing to protect us against 
the worst should it happen? Yeah, so, I mean, uh, uh, my trip to Washington was the first time a sub-national government, so a government that wasn't uh, a national government, was uh, allowed to appear before a, a committee like the Commerce Committee that was established. And uh, so that, sh- that, that was the Americans at least acknowledging that Ontario alone is a significant trade partner. As I said, uh, for 28 states, we're either their number one customer or their, or their number two customer for the, for the merchandise they, they make. Um, so that was a, a good recognition, and, and, and I, I'm glad Premier Ford pushed them to do that. He, he, he had to do a little conjoling to, to have us at the table. But um, we're working hand-in-hand, shoulder-to-shoulder with the federal government now. Um, which is good, and the other provinces are on site. So we have a united front in Canada, and um, we will be there, and we will do everything we can to influence uh, those that we can get to. Apparently the federal government uh, can't get to all of the governors we need to get to, and there's between 28 and 34 of them in the Great Lakes regions and along the uh, uh, eastern uh, eastern United States, our great trading partners, and uh, and make sure they understand that 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 we have a strong relationship, friendly relationship in trade, and that a lot of jobs on both sides of the border really depend on it, and that they get to the president, and uh, especially in the states that they call Trump states. And um, so uh, they've asked, uh, the federal government has asked Premier Ford to get to those governors that they can't get a phone call back from. And I think it's just because until now, until this trade war, I call it, um, a lot of those governors wouldn't think of Canada every day, right? I mean, unless there's a problem, you don't. We wouldn't be top of mind. So we, in Ontario, we're trying to make sure we're top of mind and that our auto workers and our workers right across every sector are protected. Okay, Minister Wilson, thanks so much for being with us. Good luck, and I hope that you will come back to update us because this is something crucial for our economy. Complicated. Okay, <laughs> thanks very much. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.